Hello, and welcome to Real Life Ghost Stories, episode seven. Seven. Imagine we're on seven episodes. Crazy. That's weird. Can I just say before we start, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. I am a massive 29 today. Well, not today, but when you hear it, it'll be today. So come wish me a happy birthday, because I'm a lonely, lonely person. Happy birthday. Thanks. We've got a promo to start off today. So these guys hit me up on Twitter, actually, and they are the Paranonsense Broadcasting Network, and they are a cute little podcast all about paranormal stuff, conspiracy theories, mad, crazy nonsense. If you're interested in anything that's weird and wonderful like we are, it's worthwhile going and listen to them. Their names are Zarek and Rob. What cool names. Very cool names. One of their episodes that I listened to was called uh, La Llorona, which I believe... La 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 Llorona. <laughs> My Llorona, oh. which I believe is kind of like the Banshee. Ooh. So yeah, it was quite interesting to listen to another cultural, mythological, wailing woman, you know, crying at deaths and stuff, which was cool. I'm going to play their promo right now. Let's hope it's not just silence. What's up, everybody? My name is Eric. And I'm Rob. We're the hosts of the Paranonsense Broadcasting Station. A show where we talk about all things paranormal, conspiracy, or nonsense alike. We've had shows on folklore such as Baba Yaga, true crime such as the Black Dahlia murder case. And our conspiracies involve Nazi UFO experiments or another one, Roswell. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at Paranonsenses, that's P-A-R-A-N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E-S. We have a Gmail, Paranonsenses at Gmail. We also have a Facebook page, so follow us there. You can listen on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, our hosting site is Podbean. So if you love the sound, two drunk Mexicans talking your ear off, then we're the men for you. So subscribe and listen now wherever you get podcasts. Adios. Hasta luego. And we're back. So go and listen to them. Paranonsense Broadcasting Network. We love them. You'll love them. They're great. They also, well, I don't know if they'll be offended if I say this. They also always sound like they're really stoned, which I really enjoy when I'm listening to them. They're very soothing to listen to. I love them. You'll love them. So our review of this week is the film Winchester. Now, Winchester was released in 2018. Ah, it's it has 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And a stunning... Stunning 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it stars Helen Mirren. She plays Sarah Winchester, who is the, the she's like the heir of the Winchester fortune. She's so, like the wife of the man that came up with the Winchester rifle, basically. That's it. So the Winchester rifle. So if you don't know the real life story of the Winchester mystery house, is really cool. So Sarah Winchester, her husband died. She got a medium into the house and the medium told her that the people, all the people who have died at the hand of the Winchester rifles were haunting her and she was cursed that they were going to follow her until she died. So the medium told her, you need to continuously build in your house until you die. So the Winchester house is like 
crazy. It's got, in real life, it's like got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of rooms. It's got stairways that lead to nowhere. It's got tiny rooms. It's got massive rooms. It's like just crazy. And all because somebody told her she was cursed by all the people who had died at the hands of Winchester rifles. As always, I kind of didn't really watch it. (laughs) So... And as always, we picked a film that's been rated really low again. Yeah. This one was a lot better than the last one. Oh, this one definitely was... I don't feel like it was just 2% better. It definitely was not 2% better than The Messengers. It was way better than The Messengers. I don't don't know why I'm commenting. I was like not watching it. So go. What did you think? Yeah, I actually quite like this. I thought I like the Winchester Mystery House story anyway, because I actually think it would be a really good like fiction story. Like this lady has created this gun that's really popular and it's killed loads of people and now the ghosts are out to get revenge she has to do something to save her family and it's a really good like that's a good story i think for a ghost story but actually that based on true stories that's what she actually thought was happening to yeah her. as most things my point of reference for this was zach bagans because i think he went to this house mm-hmm. um and did what one of the characters did in the film which is walk up the staircase that doesn't go anywhere and smash the head yeah it's an interesting story it's basically this guy this doctor who um lives in san francisco is called by the lawyers of the winchester arms rifle company to come and basically they want to make get this doctor to give a diagnosis of the winchester woman i've forgotten her name sarah sarah winchester as crazy so he's sent down there to diagnose her basically the company want her to be diagnosed as crazy so they can take back control because she started to well she's spending loads of money on this crazy house but she's also invested in roller skates which apparently is a bit of a, a bit of a change if you run a gun company to then start investing in roller skates she invested in roller skates yeah that's what it said in the film oh, I don't I know how true all it is. Of that. <laughs> why was she not on roller skates in the film though no, there you was, know what the roller skate plays a big part in the film you, you saw them follow the roller skate down the stairs that was a roller skate yeah. oh look listen here I did not watch any of this film clearly because if i known Helen Mirren was potentially possibly going to be on roller skates I would have been all ears and eyes I was not <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't on roller skates she should have been she should have been that would have been a good twist to the story and yeah it's a good good film there's a little a slight twist in it it's quite obvious but it's still good it's full of jump scares the ghosts themselves aren't scary looking but the, the timing of the appearances made me jump all the way for it um, which I, I quite like a good jump scare sometimes anyway yeah I think again it's another film that on a more genuine note than The Messengers because The Messengers we were saying it's kind of a film that you could watch with your friends and take the piss out of this is another film that you could watch with your friends and yeah you're going to have those jump scares so it's going to be fun and it's going to be a nice night but you're not going to go to bed being like oh my god I can't sleep because I'm terrified yeah it's not that kind of film no not at all and there's a bit where the ghosts get so crazy that a house falls down oh yeah um, I remember that which might have actually happened because I worked out it's 1906 and I'm pretty sure California had a massive earthquake in 1906 so that may well have happened maybe it did yeah but I didn't good reference point though I mean if it did happen it's a good sort of reference but I would give it possibly two and a half out of five maybe a three at a push I like the story it's definitely better than The Messengers as a film Um, and it's on Netflix UK as well so I don't know about you American, Canadian, Irish people is Irish Netflix the same? Oh, I actually don't know It's definitely on UK UK Netflix so check it out if you're UK and have a look for it if you're somewhere else in the world I'm not going to give it any stars because I that wouldn't be fair No it really wouldn't because <laughs> you didn't see it at all really did you? Right our story today we're not a true crime podcast No that's true Let's start with that Otherwise it would be called Real Crime Stories Sometimes a story comes along that just captures you and there's so many paranormal elements to this story that i think it works for us as a kind of disclaimer before we start my research for for this story came from a book called the boy in the attic by a writer called david malone he did massively extensive research and i'll talk about why at the end 
this isn't an ad. I don't know this man, but I read this book about five years ago. It really, really stayed with me. It freaked me right out. He doesn't focus on the paranormal aspect of it. That's not his thing. We'll talk about why that is at the end. But yeah, so just, I'm really, I'm really nervous about doing this story and I don't really know why. And I've not heard any of it. So I'm also a little bit nervous because you keep going on about how freaky it is and disturbing. And you're worried about the fact that the guy's still alive. Yeah. Shall I just get cracking? Yeah, go for it. It's 1973, in Palmerstown, a suburb of Dublin City. Abortion is illegal, contraception is illegal, divorce is illegal. In fact, the only thing that's legal is misery. Even thinking about sex gets you lynched. Father O'Keefe awakens from a slumber where he has dreamed about all the happy babies he has saved and all the miserable marriages he has officiated... What's that word? Officiated. Officiated. I wrote it, I don't even know what the word is. Officiated over that will never be escaped. He makes his way to St. Philomena's Church, a building in the centre of Palmerstown that is frequented by most people in the local community. Upon entering the church, he quickly realises something is wrong. The crucifix has been turned upside down, and he notices out of the corner of his eye that the tabernacle is ajar. He realises in horror that the chalice which holds the body of Christ is gone. On the 14th of June, 1973... 16-year-old Lorcan Bale sat his geography exam in the morning. It didn't go well. He made his way home after his exam, keenly aware that many more exams stretched out before him. When Bale arrived home, he grabbed a cup of coffee and went to his bedroom, which was normal for him. Bale's bedroom looked like a standard teenager's bedroom, except for one thing, something completely unnoticed by anyone who entered. In the wardrobe was a hole, and through that hole was a trapdoor which led to the attic. The attic held what most attics hold. Boxes, dust, old furniture. But this attic also held an altar. Upon the altar was a number of items, unusual to most. Candles, several saucers of powders of black and white, a box of human feces, the communion wafer which in the Catholic faith is considered the actual body of Christ, Father O'Keefe's prized chalice and one other item a small child's rally bike. You see, Lorcan Bale had been killing animals for several months. Mice, rats, cats, dogs. And on that day, the Bale family were babysitting John Horgan, the seven-year-old neighbour, a blonde-haired and blue-eyed boy who was much loved in the community. At some point in the afternoon, Bale asked John if he would like to go and see some rabbits in the field behind his house, to which John gleefully agreed. The two set off, with Bale carrying a rope, a club and a sack. At some point in their adventure, Bale invited John to peer down a rabbit hole, at which point he clubbed him in the back of the head. It is believed that John Horgan died instantly. After some struggle, Bale managed to carry John's body home, drag him into the attic using the secret trap door, and suspended him with ropes from the ceiling above the altar, arms apart and legs together, as though the boy had been crucified. Lorcan Bale then went and made himself a cup of tea. When people realised that John Horgan was missing, a search party was quickly formed, with many questions being asked of Lorcan Bale. Bale told people that John must have wandered off, and even joined in the search, helping the frantic parents search for their missing boy. At some point during this time, Bale slipped away, got his scissors, and for reasons unknown, cut the clothes from the murdered boy. The police, it would seem, were much less willing to believe Bale, and realised that there was a strong possibility that he was responsible for the boy's death. When put under pressure, Bale simply said, he's in the attic. Lorcan Bale had been a sickly child, 
And when he went to secondary school, he quickly began stealing and truanting and frequently showed flashes of a deep and dark anger. At one point in secondary school, he arrived in wearing what appeared to be a shell necklace, which on closer inspection was revealed to be a necklace made entirely out of rat skulls, obtained by trapping and killing rats and burying their bodies in lime. In these senior years of his education, he made a friend by the name of Lorcan Conroy. When their friendship deepened, Bale told Conroy that he had joined a secret society. A society, he said, that had a high priest and priestess, enacted rituals and engaged in ritual sex. He had managed to obtain a copy of Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible. In December 1972, Bale disappeared for four days. On his return, he said he had been to Newgrange, an ancient stone structure, to complete a winter solstice ritual. To this day, no one knows where he went. Kenroy wants to test Bale's new beliefs, and Bale agreed to have a seance with him. Bale led Kenroy through the trapdoor and to the attic, where he produced a Ouija board, claiming that they were to attempt to contact Tom, the spirit of a dead boy. Kenroy, feeling silly and exposed, sitting in an attic with his eyes closed, suddenly felt a marked change in the air, and then a noise. The noise was a low, guttural, animal growl, which became louder and louder. He opened his eyes to see Bale leaning over the Ouija board, arms outstretched as though suspended by invisible strings. Bale's face and eyes had changed as though he was completely devoid of life and he was emitting a snarling, animalistic growl. Conroy shouted in fear and Bale came to himself, smiled and said, It worked. One night a neighbour and friend was babysitting when Bale called round. He stayed only for a short while. When Bale left, his friend realised with horror that each and every crucifix in the entire house had been turned upside down. He went to bed feeling unsettled, but his horror would only be magnified when the lights were turned off. An emulsion of some sort, mixed luminescent paint and flower had been created, and now footsteps were glowing all around the house. The floors, the stairs, the walls and the ceilings. A huge glowing pentagram had appeared above the beds of the sleeping younger brothers. On that fateful day in 1973, Lorcan Bale had told his friends he was going to go home, murder his neighbour in a ritual sacrifice to ensure that he would pass the rest of his exams. They didn't listen. Lorcan Bale was found guilty and sentenced to prison. After his sentencing, a bag was found in a rabbit hole in the field behind the bail house. In it were many strange things, one of which was a list of ten blonde-haired and blue-eyed children, one of which was John Horgan. Bale's prison time was unremarkable. He was by all accounts a quiet, polite boy. A pastor arrived from New York. He had read about Lorcan Bale in a Canadian newspaper. You see, the story was never reported by any news agency in Ireland. In fact, one tiny article appeared in which John Horgan's death was reported as accidental. The final line of a mere paragraph. When this pastor arrived, perhaps he believed he could help Bale. He went to Bale's cell and the hatch was opened in the door. The pastor peered through the door and immediately collapsed on the ground. When he regained the ability to speak, he cried and said, I have seen the face of the devil. He left and never returned. 
Bell covered his windows in heavy curtains he had made, and his walls were adorned with images of nuns and angels. Other prisoners quickly became afraid of him. Overnight, two perfectly drawn and perfectly symmetrical pentagrams had appeared on the floor and the ceiling of his cell, and the prisoners in the adjacent cells begged to be moved away from him as his chanting kept them awake all night, and the smell of rotting meat seeped from his cell and it was too much for them to bear. This was reported by prison guards and prisoners alike. Bale, it would seem, never slept. Lorcan Bale served seven years, six months and one week in prison. Almost exactly as long as John Horgan had lived. What are your thoughts? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for what? That horrific story. Uh, I've got lots of thoughts. I don't know how easy it would like. It would have been near on impossible. I'd imagine in Ireland in the seventies to get hold of a satanic Bible unless someone gave it to you, right? Oh, that th- this is my big question about this because we all know that children, teenagers, kill people, but that's not new. Yeah, there would have been in nineteen seventies Ireland absolutely no way you'd get a satanic Bible and no way you'd get a Ouija board. Where? Unless Where? someone gave it to you. Unless somebody gave them yeah. to you. There is no way, not a chance in hell that that would happen. Not only that, but to have the knowledge of Satanism that this boy had. Because at the time, I mean, films like The Omen, I think, had come out and there was a very sensationalist... I don't even know if it had by that point, you know. 73 is early. It is early. Yeah. But I think there was a sensationalist ideal of Satanism and what that actually meant. I I cannot fathom how a 16-year-old boy had a satanic Bible, a Ouija board, had the knowledge to get all of these items and then believed in it so wholeheartedly that he murdered a child. Also, only seven years for murdering a child. Mm. Seems a little bit... Well, because he was 16, he was sentenced to um, juvenile detention until he turned whatever age and then he got out. I've got, I want to know where he got the Bible from. Yes. All the other shit. I want to know where he disappeared to for four days. Where did he go for four days? Who did he see? There's a belief that he went to Newgrange, as I said. And Newgrange is an ancient burial ground in Ireland, kind of like Stonehenge. It's indoors, isn't it? It's, well, it's most, it's like a burial mound. Yeah. So most of it is outdoors and then it goes underground. They, they, like Stonehenge, you know, people who are pagans or, or witches or whatever use it as a place to recharge during the winter solstice and they have rituals. But there's also a belief that people have satanic rituals there. And the author assumed, believed that there was a strong possibility that was where he went, that he went to Newgrange during, during the winter solstice and he met with some people. But yeah, he must thought, have met with people. He didn't just knock off on his own, did he? Like, if, if he went at that time of year as well and that kind of stuff goes on, he must have met with people. But who are these people? I reckon it was Mr. Tumnus. As in, from his wardrobe? Yeah. So his wardrobe was actually like bad Narnia, <laughs> yeah. shit Narnia. Yeah, the alternate Alternate, Narnia. yeah. Alternate timeline Narnia. Evil oh. Abed Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. It's really like... This is going to come across really bad, but I think it's just the problem in general, but probably more so in Ireland. So just give me a careful what you say here. But so because they're all so spiritual and stuff and because there's so much the Catholic Church has so much influence, like it did with various other things that the Catholic Church got involved in that they shouldn't do. Everything just kind of gets hushed up and dealt with, doesn't it? Catholic Church obviously is hushed up and dealt with such a huge amount of things in Ireland we're not even going to go into that because well, in it the never world, stops talking in the world the history of time yeah, yeah I get that like, not... uh, but there's something how did nobody talk like, so nobody in that community spoke about this like obviously they were all there and when the author 
contacted like Lorcan Conroy, contacted the police. They all spoke to him. But all these years later, they spoke to him. Like, why did the newspapers not report this? When you think about the Jamie Bulger case, which is a case in England where two young boys murdered a three-year-old. I remember that being on the news. That was enormous. That was such a huge case. And it was shocking and it was terrifying and this is like worse in many ways well not worse because it's, it's of course it's still yeah. the death of a child but it's, it's, all that extra stuff it's it. a death of a child and it has these mad satanic undertones and overtones and nobody reported it and the newspapers reported it as an accidental death like catholic ireland at the time so people were talking about the divorce referendum and they were talking about making these big changes and contraception being legalized and all of that stuff what better way to stop all that from happening than to say we need to hold on to Catholic values because Satanism has taken over. Look at what's happened. But they didn't. Nobody spoke about it. Yeah. And when I spoke to my mum about this today, she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's great. That's really weird. Isn't it weird? But it's a line of questioning thing as well, isn't it? Because you'd hope when you the, the police would go, right, this is what he's done. He's got these things that he shouldn't have. Where did he get them from? If it was like guns or like explosives or drugs... He'd get arrested and he'd get punished and stuff. But there would be a line of questioning that would go, right, where did he get this from? Because this isn't something you can get from boots down the corner, is it? It's like... Yeah, it's... It, why this... is there no... Why is there nothing? Why is it so quiet? It's That makes it worse in some ways, I think. When I read this story and it just sat with me for ages and I couldn't... I couldn't get rid of it. And it's the fact that when he went to prison, this whole satanic thing continued so it wasn't that this this murder was wrapped up in you know it's it wasn't like teenage rebellion you know i'm going to it well, doesn't sound like it was teenage rebellion i mean they, they do say he had a really um strictly catholic father but then lots of people did in ireland in the 70s yeah. it was just the norm so it doesn't sound like it was just a, a a teenage rebellion where he was like i'm going to do the most shocking thing and then immediately regret it and go to prison apparently he showed absolutely no remorse for what he did like obviously there's the argument that of psychopathy where you could just say oh that he was a psychopath and that's it wrapped up in a nice neat little bow but how does that explain the chanting in prison and the perfectly and that was like highlighted in the book that there there were two perfectly symmetrical pentagrams painted on the floor and the ceiling perfectly symmetrical how do you do that it's and crazy. the rotting meat and the chanting and yeah. oh uh, everything about it just really but then me there's out. A, yeah but so i could you could almost understand the commitment of a 16 year old if he'd experienced actual power, right? So if he'd done something and it had happened... And he was like, oh, yeah. shit, I can do this. And then it's like, right, okay, so this is the this is the real real deal. So I'm going to carry on doing this. And then you almost become clicked into it. But And that is concerning. And I want to talk about the jail time separately. But I still can't get over the fact that there's no sort of like, where did this come from in the first place? Do you think it was like a snake in the Garden of Eden? Just coming along and going, have a read of this. Oh, like a real snake? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were... Oh, there's like, no snakes in Ireland, though, is there? No, there's no snakes in Ireland. We don't have any. Oh, yeah. St. Patrick got rid of all those. I'm going back to Mr. Tomlinson. No. <laughs> I just don't... I just don't know. And that this is why this story freaks me out, is because I just don't know. There were... As I said, there were theories. One of the theories was that the school that he went to was like a secret satanic ring. No. Well, I, I highly doubt that. But people... Oh, and there's got to be more than one... Yeah, so people, <laughs> but people believed that like, so this guy Lorcan Conroy, his friend, his little pal was like shunned afterwards because people were like, oh, he's obviously a Satanist as well. And this poor kid was probably like, what the fuck just happened? My best friend just murdered somebody. Yeah. He didn't listen to him when he was like, I'm going to go home and kill my neighbor in and, a satanic ritual. And prior to this, he'd become the devil. <laughs> yeah, and prior to this, whatever in that crazy seance. And that was from his words as well. Yeah. That wasn't, that was from an interview with him. 
So I just, I just don't know, like, how, where does a 16-year-old boy in Ireland in the 70s get this stuff? And why was it so hushed up? It's the perfect, and in a very blunt, kind of non-feeling way, it's the perfect weapon to demonstrate how important Catholicism is. Perfect weapon. So why didn't they use it? What if? Now, here we go. Come on. What if we've got, like, a, a dogma kind of situation? You know, the film Dogma. Yeah. So what if the Catholic Church know God is dead? And, and they're just have, covering and it up and they're like, they everybody's cover, running they around the behind the scenes. To cover it up. Everyone's running around behind the scenes going, oh, fuck, where is he? God's on holidays. We can't find him. God's Alanis said. That's that film, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't, I find, I'm actually finding it really difficult to joke about this story because no, yeah, sorry, I'm so, be. no, no, but I'm not, I'm not like saying you shouldn't, but I'm finding it really difficult to joke about it because I'm just like, Christ, I don't really, it freaks me out so much that this happened. And it's magnified by the fact that nobody talked about it. And a little kid died as well, which is... And it's awful. A little kid died and it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And this man is still alive, knocking around. And obviously, I think if you, I believe after reading this story that he was groomed by somebody some some other adults in his life that groomed him that gave him this information that gave him these tools to unlock this part of himself and maybe they recognized that within him there was a psychopath maybe they recognized that and they targeted him like pedophiles do they recognize vulnerability and they target it so i feel like it's unfair to be like he was a bastard he was an absolute animal or he was evil because he had all of these extra things that meant that there had to have been somebody else in his life that was supplying him with this. I feel like I want to talk to him and just be like, what happened? Like, is he is he living a normal life? Is he knocking about? Does he have a wife and kids? Does he have a husband and kids? Like, what has happened in his life since? And does he look back on it now and go, you know, I was targeted and I was vulnerable? I guess because he did the crime as well, uh, the horrific crime, there's less likely to want him, him to want to reveal himself. Because if, yeah. he if he'd just been like, I don't know, if he'd just been casually summoning the devil like you do. And As you do, yeah. Been We've any, all been there, yeah. There's not been any actual human sacrifice. And then he got to an adult or a stage in his life where he wanted to come away from that. He actually, his gut instinct would then to be go, well, look, it's not me. These people are dangerous, blah, 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 blah. But actually, because he's committed this crime, he probably doesn't want to. So maybe there is stuff he hasn't told because he, he doesn't want the focus to be on him. We're talking about this in the context. We, we obviously, you're aware because you've read it and I know what area we're talking about. But it's like, this is pre-internet. So this is not only Catholic yeah. Ireland. This Ooh. is, you've got to physically meet with people, mm. have a correspondence address, have a phone number. But probably not every house had a phone in No, probably not. Anyway. No. Would have been so, going to the phone box. Uh, yeah. So this is like, this is a serious effort on whatever behalf of those adults. Unless it wasn't a human. Oh, Christ. Is this your theory? This is what I was saying. This is what Mr. T- I was joking about Mr. Thomas, but... You know I don't believe in that. Yeah, I know you don't. But... I absolutely don't believe in it. I believe that this boy was groomed by a group of adults. You know, the fact that he's told his friends about like sex rituals and stuff, like he 100% was groomed by adults in his life. Maybe they didn't think he'd go that far. Maybe they didn't think that was what happened. That was what would happen, introducing this boy to Satanism or, you know, pretending to introduce this boy to Satanism or whatever. I don't believe really that there's a massive paranormal aspect to this story no other than the demonic twinge to it the thing is with the pentagrams and the glow in the dark pentagrams in the house and the smell of rotten meat and all that but fear has legs you know that as well as anybody like if you you know those those kids in prison knew that he was in prison for crucifying a child obviously you know they're going to be frightened of him yeah and the priest falling over probably didn't help did it <laughs> probably didn't help the priest collapsing and this guy coming from new york because he thought he could save him it say he did stay up all night one night chanting 
like he was obviously intelligent. Yeah. So he obviously was trying to make his mark in prison, maybe, rather than it being a genuine, I'm staying up all night chanting because I love the devil. So the thing is, you say the adults might not have thought he went this far. <sighs> the table's so creaky. I'm sorry if you can hear that. But this sacrifice might have been learned behavior. There's plenty of missing kids. I don't know what you're talking What do you mean there's plenty of missing kids? There's plenty of missing kids that are never accounted for, right? Yeah, it's true. It's very rural. Adults got better, more, more hiding places. Well, well it, they taught him how to do it. Yeah, maybe he oh, saw it right. when he was away. Maybe he saw them do it. And actually, maybe this, you say like he might have gone off and done more than they were expecting. But actually, maybe this is what they do. And they just haven't been uncovered. And because he's a kid and he didn't have access to somewhere to hide it, he got caught. I don't know if I really believe that. You sound like, um, is it Alex Jones, that conspiracy guy? I haven't said anything about gay frogs yet. Gay frogs. But. (laughs) (laughs) But next up, next week, gay frogs. So what do you think? What's your, what's your over, what's your paranormal radar? Do you think it is paranormal? Do you think it's not? It's something not right about it. It's hard to say, isn't it? And I don't really want like, I obviously think it is because you know I like a bit of the demonic. Yes, yeah, there's just a real sense of unease about it. And it's just the fact that it's not been dealt with. That's what that's what makes it even more uneasy because it, it's almost like there's something not. It's like somebody at some point in this case went, we're closing this door because we can't deal with what's behind it. Yeah, it's still satanic. I believe that a boy got groomed. I believe that a teenage boy at some point during his teenage years was groomed by a group of adults who were Satanists or whatever. Yeah, so regardless of whether he conjured anything or not, it's still a satanic. Yeah, and I, I believe... There's still a satanic edge to it. That people's fear and perception of the fact that he apparently crucified a boy meant that this myth and lore grew up around this teenager. You know, the, the rotten meat and the pentagrams and all of that jazz. I don't really know if I believe that that stuff happened the way it is reported. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm just saying I think perhaps the the gravity of the crime that he committed created this lore around him. But I do think he was groomed, which is really sad. Cult. Possibly a cult. Possibly a cult. I mean, there were there obviously are cults that operate in Ireland as well as everywhere else. So we're going to leave it there this week. Great. Can we watch something nice now? Yeah, we'll watch something nice tonight before we go to bed. <laughs> Hit us up, by the way, if you do that when you watch something scary, that you have to watch something nice afterwards so you don't have bad dreams. <laughs> We're such little losers. So, sum up of today, sum up of this week's episode. Number one, go and listen to Paranonsense Broadcasting Network. Boom. Boom. Number two, kind of watch Winchester. I don't really know. I didn't really watch it. So, watch what, it if you feel like you yeah, need to. Yeah, if you've got like a casual interest in the story. Have a little, have a little watch. Number three, if you want to read more about the story of the boy in the attic the book is called the boy in the attic by david malone as i said it's not an ad don't know that man this isn't sponsored i just if you want to read more about it read more about it it's not the best book in the world there's a lot of extra information that is unnecessary because actually so little is known about this case that he kind of needs to fill in the blanks a little bit probably had a word had a page count that he had to um meet but really freaky story if you've got any thoughts about it if you think if you've heard anything about it, if you know about this story, then let us know. Obviously, it's my birthday. So birthday you need to, because to it's my birthday, you. you need to go and review us on iTunes and we'll send you some nice things. Give us 29 stars. Give us 29 stars. So go and review us on iTunes. Give us five stars on iTunes. Go and tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. Make sure everybody knows about this podcast if you think it's good then please let people know so that we get loads and loads of listeners and then we can give up our real jobs and and become famous podcasters and make loads of money that's never gonna happen (laughs) 
Send us your stories. Oh, and so, oh, I've got so many good stories this week. I'd forgotten. Send us your stories. We are on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. We are on Snapchat at Real Ghost Pod. We are on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories. It's a closed group. We are on Instagram, Real Life Ghost Stories. And we're on Gmail, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. We've got loads of stories this week and we will be doing a listener's episode maybe next week. Ooh. Yeah, potentially next week because we've gotten quite a number of stories and I, I've promised people that I'll... And I haven't heard any of them, so it will be new to me. Yeah, I've <laughs> promised people that I'll put their stories on the episode. So if you've got a story you want us to hear, come and let us know. Question to finish the show. Yeah. You're walking along the woods. Yeah. Out pops Mr. Tumnus. What do you do? Dropkick him. Headbutt him downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. <laughs> and thank you for listening. We love you.